Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution Podcast, where women are magical and empowered. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, psychologist turned transformational feminine business coach. This podcast is for you if you want to prioritize your own pleasure, face your fears, and manifest your desires. This podcast is sponsored by the Fearless Feminine Academy, where I teach women how to turn their trauma into their superpowers. My goal is to show women that we can heal our world by creating time and financial freedom by doing whatever the fuck we want. Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. I'm so honored that you're here. Hello, everyone. I'm super excited to be talking with Charlotte Kay, who does so many different things. So I'm, and Luna's crashing my session. So I'm sure she will <laughs> interrupt at prime time. <laughs> um, the life of the mompreneur. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's have you brag an intro. Tell us all the amazing things about you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So my name is Charlotte Kay, also known as the Airy Fairy Feminist. That's the name of my business. I brag that I am a women's empowerment coach. I brag that I run my business by being myself, my full weirdo, badass, crazy, amazing self and giving other people permission to do the same. I brag that I really help people with setting boundaries and I brag that I help people smash the patriarchy by being themselves. That's so amazing. And I don't know if it's like coaching myth, legend, maybe you can speak to this. Like it seems like people really make it once they really fully claim who they are and like come out with the weirdest version of themselves, if that's what's authentic to them or, you know, all the ways in which we like can really put our pleasure first and sell the thing that comes easy to us, but that's like profound to somebody else. Yes, totally. And like, that's where I think, so I've done a lot of work kind of in diversity, equity, inclusion spaces, and there's a lot of scarcity mindset, right? But I think when like you fully step into your authentic, weird or normal, maybe like you authentically just kind of fit into, (laughs) yeah, I know, fit into what society says you should be. And that's cool too. Um, But when you look at like how diverse people's passions are and how diverse, what really lights them up is like, there's enough for everyone. Like I have a friend who makes clay fairy doors and stuff like that. I'm like, I would never want to do that. So I'm so glad that you want to do that. Right. And so I think it's when we really tap into our own intuition, our own abundance, the things that are pleasure, the things that light us up, like that's when there's really enough for everyone. I'm all about some uh, like fairy collectibles. So you'll have to drop a link for your friend because I love doing like fairy yes, and all that stuff. But I think that that really proves the point um, that like you, if you follow your joy, like one, it won't feel like work. So like, you know, as we grow businesses, sometimes there is a lot of free work on the front end. Um, it's just like such a powerful practice to just like really follow your unique gifts. So tell us how is Airy Fairy Feminist born? Oh my gosh. Um, so in my previous career, I was a fundraiser. Oh. Um, 
And I mostly fundraise for institutes of higher education, um, but I also fundraise for a small nonprofit. It was an LGBT-focused nonprofit with a really great mission. Uh, and I worked there for about six months, and everything fell apart. And <laughs> some of the kind of typical issues that happen with nonprofits happened. And I was just like stressed out all the time. So I also had a long commute and was started listening to a podcast um, that talked lightly about like mindfulness and meditation and I was like that seems really like weird and like out there which now I laugh at that because I do so much more woo things than that it's ridiculous but when I was like working 10 hours a day stressed out like didn't know what to do felt totally out of control I was like I guess I'll start meditating and so I started like a morning routine um that was really sporadic at first. Like I look back now, like I was so inconsistent, but it still made such a difference. So I just wanna like put that out there. You don't have to be perfect at it. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, I created the space to have the trust to leave that job without anything else lined up, which I never thought I would do in a million years. Um, and on my, so I gave my two weeks notice and then I had been reaching out to like previous employers and like just mentors about what to do. Um, and I gave my two weeks notice and on my last day at that job, I found out that I was gonna be able to go back to another organization that I really loved, um, which was incredible. It was like, talk about like leap and then that will appear. Like yeah. it totally happened. Um, and then I was there for three years and uh, alongside of that, like my hobby basically became personal development, like reading all the books, taking all the courses, learning about manifestation, like learning about crystals and going way deeper in my meditation practice and like all of these things. And so after about two and a half years, I was like, well, I'm kind of getting bored where I am. I don't know what else I would want to do. And so I started toying with the idea of starting a business or being a coach, which I never, ever, ever, ever thought that I would want to be an entrepreneur because I really had this idea that you have to work a million hours a week and be really stressed and all these things. And then I started to see people doing it in a different way. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I could do this. So I hired a business coach and I said to her, I was like, I might change my, I was totally flowing with everything. I'm like, if this doesn't flow, I might just stop. Like I, I might, we might do this whole coaching and I just might be like, no, I'm good. I'm going to stay where I am because I liked where I was. Like, it wasn't terrible. It just, there was a new level for me. Right. Um, six months into that coaching, I quit my full-time job. Um, I had a couple of other part-time jobs that just sort of like fell into my lap. So I haven't been completely full-time the entire time that I've been doing my business. Um, and I think that's okay. And I think that's, good to talk about to give people permission to like I was ready to leap and go fully and then I had lunch with a friend and she was like I need uh, well I was like I see that your admin is has gone like I can help you a few days a week if you want and she was like yeah and so I was like here's all my parameters these are the days I want to work these are the hours that I want to work like this is what I want to work on I won't do this I won't do that and she was just like yeah so I ended up doing that. So that was in January of 2019. So I'm coming up on two years in my business. I sort of consider like October 1st, the start of my business, because that's when I launched my podcast. So yeah. That's so amazing. And I love that you like have this moment of trust and like kind of some uncertainty, but then also like 
just kind of manifesting the opportunities that could support you. And I'm all about some passive, uh, like multiple streams of income. They may or may not be passive, right? Passive is the dream. (laughs) Um, Like that provides like a lot of security while you're figuring out like all the different things that can support you in your business. Because I think to expand, you know, we have to have a certain level of safety, right? Yeah. And you can release so much resistance of like, okay, I know that I'm making this much a month. So it's like, it's not, I mean, and I'm pretty sure I've had like $0 months, right? Like, which aren't fun, but but they happen. So when you like your, your brain like knows that that, well, your brain knows how, like our brain always wants to know how. Right. And so when you are in a job where you're working hours, you're like, I'm going to get paid this much for me hours. Like you could just as easily trust and be like, I'm going to manifest that money no matter what. But when your brain can attach to that, how it can like kind of relax a little bit more. So I definitely think there's a benefit to that. But I also think like, as much as possible, don't do shit that drains you because you still want to have energy for your business. Like I was working 24 hours a week at that part-time job. And I I mean, I had to, I mean, it was stuff that I liked working with people that I liked, but I still had to set my boundaries to keep my energy for my business because my business was my main focus. And I probably don't even work 24 hours a week in my business now that I'm full-time in my business. So yeah, it's just a balance. It's the dream. Yeah. I really change so much. Like, so my background is like a psychologist. I've been in private practice for like 10, 15 years. And even when I started that brick and mortar business, like I would teach classes at the university. Like I did a bunch of different little side hustles just to kind of have, like you said, that consistent info. (laughs) Luna said I used to be a lifeguard. That was back in college. (laughs) Thanks, Luna. Love it. Um, She's like the dream job. Yeah, that that was actually not a bad job. Like just sitting out in the sun, like hanging out. <laughs> I can definitely get behind that. I try to manifest money when we're out on the lake. Um, but anyway, you know, I think it's helpful to have like some of that. But you know, that's what I think with online business. You know, it's just set up for like infinite expansion because like you know you can record everything like we are now. Like you don't necessarily have to be present. Um, used to be like you had to like get an agent or like get approval from someone to have your own platform and now everybody has their own platform so I just well you will I'm sure you'll have your platform (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna get like comments here on everything (laughs) I love it um she's a little future CEO there um so like, did you have fears about like leaving that one job or leaving the lifestyle? Like, tell me all the things fear related. Oh my God. I had so many fears. It's crazy. Um, let's see which ones I can remember. I actually, so, uh, Megan and I both are in a course with Julia Wells and she did a behind the scenes with her coach to be like, no, really tell people how like bad I was at all this stuff. And I'm, I'm going to do that with my coach this Wednesday. Actually, I want her to come on and be like, tell, because people think like, I get this all the time of people telling me, um, I really admire what you do. I'm just not that brave. And I'm like, listen, bitch, like I was not brave either. I was scared out of my mind, but it was about grappling with those fears, convincing my brain as much as I could that it was going to be okay. And then just like, going right and like knowing that there was something bigger um so what were some of my fears well the first thing I did was start my podcast um so the very very feminist podcast and that I had such like 
throat chakra stuff from college because I was a women's studies major. Um, and I mean, college, obviously, especially the liberal arts is very much like all about speaking up in class. And I went to the University of Michigan, which is like very prestigious and like everyone thinks that they're right. So it's like, don't say anything unless you're sure that you're right. And then I was also in women's studies and in women's studies, there's this fear of like offending people, right? Like, I mean, basically you're taught to look at everything from a lens of how is this sexist, racist, homophobic, ableist, like all of these things, which like is a great lens to have. And I think it's super important. And it also made me really afraid to speak. Um, and it made me, which I love talking. So it's like really counterintuitive. So when I was going to start the PC police, like you didn't want to say something that like fell. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I was the PC police. So like, I was afraid of myself, right. Of like people like me, because I used to get in arguments on the internet, like basically telling everyone why they were sexist and racist. Well, I think that's such a double bind because like, you know, we are like programmed that way. And so even if we don't like consciously hold those values, you know, like we have so much like subconscious and unconscious like programming around that, that sometimes it just like comes out. And so a big lesson for me is just like gratefully accepting that feedback and Mm -hmm. not having that perfectionist thing of like, oh, I'm already supposed to know all this. Like, you know, it's just so huge to have that growth mindset. Yeah. And that's definitely, and I think- as a women's studies major, I felt like I should be aware of everything, right? Like I should know everything. I should never say anything because like, otherwise, why did I study this for four years? Right. And also like totally, you know, claiming my white privilege of like, this was like academic learning for me, not like, I mean, I've had lived experiences of like sexism towards me. Right. But not like racism and homophobia, these other things. Um, And so a lot of it for me was like getting over the fear of just being another white woman feminist that, you know, could potentially be seen as like spiritual bypassing and all these things because the journey for me from, so airy fairy feminist is kind of representing the journey for me from angry feminist to airy fairy feminist. And it's like, how do we get to the vibration of peace so that we can manifest peace, right? Like, and I was at anger for so long that it took a lot of work for me to be like, it's okay to not be pissed off all the time. Like literally these are things I had to say to myself. Like, if you're not angry, you're not doing anything and you're not making a difference. But what I had to learn is that like anger is, is not an unlimited reserve of energy, right? Like you will get burned out. And so that's what I wanted my podcast to be about is like, how do you transition when I had all this fear of, you know, again, being another white woman feminist who just like, how can I tell, you know, people of color, right? Or people who have other marginalized identities than me that they can just like meditate and it'll be okay, which is not what I talk about, but like, it was all these years. I was like, people are going to hate me. They're going to like yell because I was used to yelling at people and being yelled at on the internet. So like everyone's going to like leave comments and be really upset with me. So that was like a big initial fear that I had to get over. A lot of times when people have that fear, it like shows up. So did it show up? Like, did people call you out? Okay. No, Um, it didn't. I think, I think I'm really thoughtful. And I think also that, um, people are lazy. (laughs) So like to listen to a podcast and then go leave a comment or a thing, like, I just don't think people take that much action. And I also like sort of, um, what's like inoculated for it. I was like, please take what you want, leave the rest. Like if stuff doesn't resonate with you, cool. It doesn't have to like, just take what helps you. And I reiterate that all the time. And I also like very much, I have a very like assertive 
um, energy about me, but I constantly am telling people like, just cause I say something is a good idea. Like you don't have to do it. Like it's your life, like do whatever you want. Like, that's what I really want. Like, don't just, hi, don't just like follow everything that I say, like discern it for yourself. Um, so no, I actually have not, I mean, even to this day really manifested anything intensely. And now I think I'm more open to like learning or discerning or being like, is, where's this coming from? Like, do, do I need to like switch something? Are they just needing a place to like put their energy? Right. Like, so, (laughs) so yeah, that was one. I mean, that was one, that was one fear and there were so many layers to it. And then of course, like, you know, there was a fear of like people at my work finding out what I was doing, which is why I go by my middle name, Charlotte K instead of my last name. Um, Let's see what else. I mean, charging. I remember my business coach telling me. Let's talk about that. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, because I think, I, I think a lot of us have this thing where we're like, oh, if we know how to do it, everyone knows how to do it. And it's easy. And we like, don't give ourselves the credit of like, not everyone knows how to do this. Like, Yes. And we don't think it's hard because it's easy for us, but that's like our, you know, our spiritual gift, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, I'm just teaching people to be themselves, like to be authentic. What? Who's going to buy that? Like, that's not going to make them money. Like that's not blah, blah, blah. But my coach did this really good exercise. She was like, okay, so tomorrow, if you lost all of the skills that you teach to people. Like if you could no longer set boundaries, if you didn't prioritize self-care, if you didn't speak your mind, if you didn't do all these things, she was like, how much would you pay to get that back? And I was like, is that good? Danielle Addison, she's amazing. Um, And I was like, "Uh, priceless, anything. I would would pay millions of, I mean, I don't have millions of, but millions of dollars I would pay to get that back because it's like, it's what makes my life so great. And so that was a really good shift. Um, I remember her at one point saying like, you can make six figures in this business. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? There's no way. Now I'm like, I mean, we're going to make six figures. Then we're going to make multiple six figures. So I've done a lot of work on the money stuff for sure. Um, but also just like the intangibles of it, right. Coaching, like I, I, the value is priceless, right? So like, how do you actually put a price on it when I, you know, was used to being in for me, like the higher ed world of like. I create this tangible thing to give to you. Like, this is so feelings. This is so energy. Like it, it was just, has taken me a long time to kind of come around to that as well. So those are some more fears. Yeah. I relate to the academic fear. I was like on the phone with another therapist earlier and we were just talking about being in that good therapist box and how it like vanilla sounds all Mm. the like really good stuff. And I think academia does that too. I just read about like, you know, borrowing like 120K to go to grad school, like didn't feel like real money. And then times that across 30 years, it's probably more like half a million. And then it's like, you know, coaching, you're going to use that knowledge forever. And I feel like just the personal transformation, like I feel like my appearance has changed, like my energy (laughs) changed. My ability to Oh my God, I lost a bunch of weight. Like, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Hold on my hand, let me yeah, no problem. <laughs> Go do your math. You're having a good time. Thank you. I appreciate your feminist voice, but not on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she um, could have her own episode one day, but. Oh my God. I don't need to put a little background noise on this at this particular moment. No. So <laughs> um, wait, what was I going to say? Hold on. 
watering it down, academia. Oh yeah, anyone who's like, I'm, I don't know what to do with my life and they want to go to grad school. I'm like, get a coach first. <laughs> like, please, like give me a few thousand dollars. I will save you so much money and you will feel exactly. so much better. Like, please do not default go to grad school, dear God. Um, unless that's what your heart really wants and that's gonna light you up and that sounds fun to you sounds the worst to me. I used to work for a graduate school and like it taught me that I'm never ever going to do a PhD. Um, but you're, you probably have a PhD. <laughs> well, and you know, it was kind of one of those things that like I knew, and I think if you know, that's fine. But like, I've counseled so many people in grad school and a lot of times people don't know, or, you know, like they pursue their pleasure. Like I had a lot of performance majors and talk about like mm. the love of something that you love doing, <laughs> go to grad school. <laughs> So, I mean, I went to, when I went to undergrad, I had no idea what I was going to study. So I was just taking like intro classes. And then I took a women's studies class and I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with this, but I love it. So I'm going to declare this major. I remember like my GSI for um, my intro to women's studies class. I was like, I want to do it, but like, I don't know, you know, the real world, blah, 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 whatever that means. And she was like, oh, just double major. And I was like, no, oh, I'm like, you're, you're a women's studies PhD student and you you just told me to double major, like what the hell? And I, I mean, I like directly apply. So I worked for an LGBT organization. I've worked for a women's organization and now I am a women's empowerment coach. So it's like, okay, my intuition knew. It was like, you like this, go with it. Like, just go for it. Well, I think it's really opening up. Like my daughter and I were just having this conversation, like she's seven. And so I'm like, okay, like in 10 or 11 years, like, will there be college? Like in times of COVID, it's like, who the hell knows in a decade what it will be like. And I think mm -hmm. in my mind, from the spiritual perspective, I think these little kids have like such amazing, like gifts and talents that, um, they, they don't need to be like brainwashed by a regular school system. And so I just feel like, um, coaching and online education, not necessarily like online universities, but like, you know, person centered, like you and I are creating like our yeah. own, you know, classes and academies and courses and stuff. Like, I feel like that's really the future. And it's going to kind of like harken back to like the apprenticeship model of like, you learn from someone who's doing the thing that you want to do mm -hmm. versus like this kind of like, you know, yeah, freaking, I mean, power kind of moment. Yeah. And like universities and like, I loved my college experience. Like, I think it was exactly the right thing for me. And then, you know, and then I worked for the university for six years um, and that was great too. But like, they're so fucking white supremacist patriarchal, oh, yeah. like patriarchal, whatever, like bullshit, right? Like, and they, and they strip the feminine out of everything. Like feelings don't fucking matter. It's all about research and numbers and metrics and blah, blah, blah. And I think that was the cool thing about women's studies. Like you learn that everything is a social construct. And so you're like, there are no, because I say all the time, like there are no rules, right? There really are no rules because we humans made up everything. It's, yeah. all, it's all bullshit. So like I had to unlearn like that masculine, like even within women's studies, like it was still, you know, read this research article, like all of, you know, I'll prove to you that this, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I came out of it and I was like, I don't know how to talk about feelings. What are feelings? Those are dumb. We don't want those. Avoid them. Avoid, avoid, avoid. Like, and I would get annoyed, like at my coworkers. I was just like, just do the thing. Like, <laughs> it's so masculine. It's crazy. And, you know, I see that like in psychology, like psychology wanted to be like a hard science. And so, but, you know, the human psyche is like 
so fluid. Like you really can't yeah. turn that down. And so they just kind of like over, I think compensated to the point where like, you just like lose all the flavor. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm all, especially like in this day and age, obviously like science is important, but I think when you reduce everything down to numbers, like sometimes you lose the essence of it. And I think it's really important to just like kind of believe in the unseen and the things that we can't Mm -hmm. prove and the things we can't tie down to numbers. Because if we don't, if we make it all like that linear, like we lose so much of like, you know, spirit and and world and essence and like the complicated stuff. And it's so easy to doctor the numbers. So like, I have a hard time believing that someone didn't get there somewhere along the way. Right. (laughs) That's mean nothing to me anymore. Like a statistic one way, or you can say it the other way and like make it sound any way you want. Like it doesn't matter. That being said though, like I grew up with like no, really no spirituality at all. Like that kind of came along with like this personal development journey. And the podcast that I learned from like really combined like the science with the spiritual. So I needed that to get my like brain over it. And now I'm just like, as long as it helps me, I don't care if it's real. As long as it helps me and it doesn't hurt anyone. Like who cares if this crystal does anything? It's pretty. I like it and I like holding it and that's it. that's the thing with therapeutics is like if it feels good then it does work and so like you know mindfulness has become like such a huge part of psychology well we know that it's pretty much like just culturally appropriated like eastern spirituality Mm -hmm. and that's why it works and it's fine if you like go into the history and like the actual like deepness of the thing but when you just like co-opt it into like you know, like when you reduce it down to just something and you lose like the ancestry behind it, it like really waters it down. Um, Yeah. And that's like, and that's something that I still like struggle with and trying to like, you know, within the spiritual community, like this idea of cultural appropriation, which like totally exists. Absolutely. But it's like, what do you, how do you use it? How do you share it? Like what's, you know, like, cause I, I encourage everyone that I work with to meditate. Right. But I don't know the whole history behind like meditation. I just know that it works. <laughs> yeah. And then that's the thing where like the lived experience, like the phenomenological piece comes in. It's just like, however you do it is like true to who you are. Mm-hmm. I was talking more about like psychology doesn't give like any reference to being spiritual, you know, like, spiritual. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just sort of says like, do mindfulness sit for, you know, 10 minutes and do this without like honoring it. But I think so many people are like afraid to like my big one is like about the word tribe. So like I've done a lot of like indigenous yeah. healing stuff. Like I've done sweat lodges. I've worked with like the Mori healers and um, they like, you know, sort of invited us into the tribe it was a big part of the ritual. And so like, you know, a lot of times people won't say tribe and I totally understand and get why they don't want to say that. And I feel like we really like are tribal people, you know, before we were colonized and that I think tribal consciousness is something that we really need. So, I mean, I, I, like, I can see where like, obviously you don't want to do harm. We don't want to be offensive. And I think that some of these things, like, you don't want to get to the point where people, like you were saying, people are so scared to say anything that they don't take any action or do anything, you know? Yeah. Tribe is such an issue. I just never really used it in general like and I don't have that historical context right um or that like experiential you know like experiences either so it's just one that's very easy for me to just not use you know um but I think 
yeah, I think it's complicated. And it's like, how are you honoring, you know, that history of it? Like, how are you bringing that to the forefront? And like explaining to people like where it's coming from, like all of this stuff. I don't know. I'm just so white that I, (laughs) just by that, I mean like all my ancestry is like Northern European. Like, um, so I'm like, I'm like this Northern European, like six different things. So I don't, I mean, I don't have that feeling of attachment to like a culture in general. So like, I know that I don't understand I don't really have like a cultural understanding of my background. So to then like take from other, like I, I just. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge (laughs) point because um, like one of the main introductions that they do, like from the Maori of New Zealand, which they're amazing. Check them out. um, Is like, they go through like their ancestry. And I think so many like white people, um, American people, like don't have, they maybe know their grandparents and that's it. And so like, that, you know, I'm learning and I'm just skimming the surface here, like in my decolonization and anti-racism work is like, that's part of the the colonization process that we don't know where we came from. And so we're mm-hmm. missing like, all this wisdom that like gets passed down in more like indigenous cultures and tribes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, it's just one of those things that like, I, I feel like um, obviously, I just feel like self-expression is so healing and so important that I think the fear mm-hmm. culture around it is like really tough, you know, and so yeah. you have to be willing to put yourself out there and make mistakes. Yeah. And that's like for me. So we, um, I, with a friend, I ran a goddess course, um, a couple months ago and like, you know, obviously it was like thinking about like there, for me as like goddesses come, like there's so many different pantheons of like yeah. gods and goddesses, like that you can pull from almost any culture. So that's helpful and then I just sort of led me down thinking about this and I'm like for me it's like if I'm using things in my own like personal practice like I'll use whatever like if I'm gonna go like sell something right or like be taught like I'm not gonna I don't know like I so my minor is in like Japanese so I'm like I know more about the Japanese I'm like I'm not gonna create like a ninja course you know like or something like that you know I think it's about when it comes like what am I doing publicly like what am I selling like all of that stuff like I don't want any of it to be like that so if I can come up with like my own terminology right um but it was interesting it was interesting to think through for the goddess course too because that's a great distinction you know because you can use whatever is personally relevant but yeah like when you're putting it out on a public platform you know that's definitely a different thing um speaking of public platforms like tell us all about the podcast I went to the she podcast conference um last year and I just knew that that was something I wanted to do I didn't it's like changed a couple times um but it was one of the most like inspirational empowering awesome conferences highly recommend going um the she podcast you'll have to send me more information uh uh-huh yeah if we ever have conferences again yeah (laughs) It's by the ladies that run, I'm pretty sure it's the She Podcast, um, hence the name. I forget what their actual names are, Ellie and something else. Okay, but we'll, <laughs> we'll put the link in the comments. But it was amazing, and it was all women, and it was all women podcasters. And they just really said that it was such a great platform because you have such a loyal following, and mm-hmm. you sort of have more like the thinkers, like the people that really like want to go deep. Um, and I love podcasts myself. I even have like a little bumper sticker on my car that says that. Um, <laughs> so like, tell us, you know, what are some tips for starting a podcast? Like, what have you learned along the way? Like, tell us about your experience. Yeah. Um, Ooh, okay. I really thought about this. 
Um, so for me, one of the most important things was immediately outsourcing the editing <laughs> because I, you know, I believe very much in like a strength based approach, like go with your zone of genius, do what lights you up and outsource the rest. And so for me, even at the very beginning, when I wasn't, you know, I wasn't making any money in my business, I was still working full time. I traded with a friend who wanted to learn how to edit podcasts. So I was like, edit my podcast podcast like get it up there I'll do the show notes like I'll do all these things but like the actual audio editing and all that like no so um that was an important thing for me and then like I took <laughs> I took like a $12 course on oh god what was the one of those like sales the course sites that have like all different kinds of stuff. So I don't know. I just took a $12 podcast course on there to like get some of the basics down. Um, and then I think it's just about trusting yourself. And I think like really getting out of your own way. Like I used to do outlines and stuff like that. And now I just like, I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this. So let me just hop on the microphone and just like say what's coming through and not think too hard about it and not listen back to it. Cause I don't want to like freak out and be like, oh no, I should have said this that way or blah, 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 blah. I just record it and then I send it off and it's done. I love that so much. And it's like trusting and the, you know, I actually go back and listen to some of my lives and different things because for me, like I channel a lot of it. And so some mm -hmm. of it, like it just flows through. And so I may or may not remember exactly what I said. And so I like to kind of like receive my own wisdom. Oh um, yeah. But, you know, like a lot of times people get like in their head about it and it's not about that, but like, I find when I go back and listen, I'm like, Oh, that was like kind of profound or like, it's good as anything else I would want to listen to. So yeah, I, know, like, I have my, um, I have my podcast editor, like create, he also creates like Instagram posts for me from it. So he'll like pull a quote and I'll be like, I said that, like, I <laughs> like no idea or like a client will text me and be like you were talking about this in this way and I was like I vaguely recall that yes cool um because you know I talk so much <laughs> it's just like can't remember everything I experienced that in therapy because there is like this culture, unless you're a feminist therapist, which is about self-disclosure, a lot of therapy in the traditional sense is about like not disclosing who you are. And so mm -hmm. sometimes I would be like, wow, this is really personal or vulnerable. Like, why am I sharing it with this person? And then immediately they would say like, oh, and then it was this like really important piece of work that we needed to do. And yeah. so I, I think I've got some training with that. Um, but like, you know, I think that it's so important to trust the flow of what's happening mm -hmm. and just like not censor yourself, I think is such a huge yes. piece. Totally. Yeah. And I don't, other than like, when it comes to like romantic relationships that I'm like careful about, but other than that, like, I'll say anything. I don't care. <laughs> I just awesome. through. Yeah. Well, you know, one of my big things I'd love to talk about is like, I feel like we're in the midst of this like fearless feminine revolution that's happening where like more and more women are gaining power. They're finding their voice. They're starting their own businesses. They're creating wealth. And I feel like when we have power and wealth in the hands of women, it's really going to change our world. So anything mm -hmm. you want to say about that? Like, how do you experience that? Yeah, totally. Um, I think I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, money, you know, especially coming from like, a, I mean, a nonprofit like culture, right? Like where money is dirty and like, we wish that it didn't have to exist and blah, blah, blah. And like as a fundraiser, man, I would be such a better fundraiser now that I have 
such as more abundance mindset about money. Um, but I think so much good can be done with money. And I think that women and especially women of color, like who have this wealth, like get it out of the hands of the rich white dudes who are shitty, not saying all rich white dudes are shitty, but like get it out of the hands of the shitty ones. Right. Like let's have it. And then let's invest it into our communities and invest it, you know, and give like invest it into nonprofits because that's the beauty too. I think a lot of people think like, well, I need to volunteer my time. Um, let me just say like giving your money is even better because the organizations you're giving to, they actually know what they're doing and you can try to like cobble together something to help but if you can like spend your time doing what lights you up and making a shit ton of money from it and then just giving that money to those organizations who know what to do with it like and who you trust and who are aligned with your values like that is how we like shift things and it'll be interesting to see like how nonprofits change over time too because I think like I don't know, like today's um, philanthropist is just like so different than like the, the the last generation of philanthropists. Like I think we do wanna be more involved and we do wanna see where things are going, but like sometimes we also just need to trust that the nonprofit like knows what they're doing. I think that's so huge because like, you know, in nonprofits, a lot of times there's so much like bureaucracy. There's so much like red tape. I feel like the revolution will be kind of like the for-profit nonprofits, which you can look at as like maybe the coaches that are like are making kind of obscene amounts of money. And see, there I go talking about, about money. I was just going to say, um, <laughs> I've been reading here about asset making money. And she was talking about like, can you say like, I love money. And so I've been I practicing. I love money. Yeah. I've been practicing. <laughs> as an edge, you know, like I love money and I love like giving it to uh people who need it like whether it's like someone on the street or um you know like a nonprofit or a movement and I was sitting there like talking to a client right kind of right when the George Floyd stuff is happening um with the Black Lives Matter movement and someone was saying like well I just don't want to like give money and feel like that's enough and I'm like like give money that's one of the best things you can do like please give your money especially if you're like learn learn and listen but like give money because I mean okay maybe not me because I I mean I know some things but like of any other random white person off the street like you're not gonna be going and and organizing I mean you can but like if that's they don't the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't need you to be trying to do that. Just give them the money because they already know what the fuck they're doing. Like, and trust them, you know, like, and put energy that way. That's all money is, it's energy. So if you want to see changes, put your energy that way and like, yeah, educate yourself and maybe tell your other rich friends that you're giving and like, so they can give too. Or not even rich, like you can give $5, you know, you can give $10 a month. You know, recurring gifts are actually really important because they help them like plan. They help nonprofits plan for like, months ahead right absolutely and you know I think it's one of those things that like you know like like in my group I've got like 700 people which you know like there's groups with like thousands and thousands of people but like if everybody gives ten dollars that's seven thousand dollars you know I mean that's like no small chunk of change and so I think you forget that like even if we give a ten dollar gift one time like if everybody does that that's like billions of dollars and so well and that but that also requires everyone to step into the abundance mindset because if you're like I'm broke I'm poor I have no money and then 
I mean, I buy Starbucks all the time, but then you go buy a Starbucks and it's like, you could give that $5 and knowing that like, you're going to get that back. Like if it feels good to give, like you're going to get that money back because money just flows in and out. It's energy. Like it just happens. But if people feel like they, this is why it's so important for us to do money mindset work, because if you don't feel abundant with your money, you're never going to give it to do anything else. I know. And it feels so good. Cause like, you know, even you know, being in a certain demographic, like, you know, with a scarcity mindset, I mean, I don't, I think you could be at any level and have a scarcity mindset. And I know I was there, even though I was making pretty good money and I wasn't donating as much as I could. And then just going like, Hey, like this is an important value. And yeah, like how much money has my Starbucks gotten of mine Mm -hmm. over the years, you know, or target or whatever, instead being like giving that money to someone who needs it or investing in yourself so that you can do this. Like not that you can't have both. You can, right? have you can have your Starbucks and you can give your money, right? Yeah, like, and yeah, there, I mean, there are plenty of like really, really wealthy, like, I mean, the University of Michigan knows who all their wealthy alumni are. They're really, really well. And there are some of them who don't give a dime because you can be a billionaire and still have scarcity mindset. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, I just really feel like there is, uh, like this, the solopreneur, I guess is kind of a little bit of a cliche, but like, I really feel like that is the future where like the mission led people are gonna, you know, and I think this is part of the vibration switching over to the feminine as I think like, we're going to get kind of like upgrades, um, in our life and our lifestyle and in our success, because we are willing to like redistribute the power, the money, the energy, all of that stuff. Yeah. I feel like that's really huge. Yeah. Totally. So like, you know, tell us all about like, how do we work with you? Like what, what are your current offerings? You do lots yeah. of things. We didn't even get into the boundary piece. You want to riff on that for a minute? Oh gosh. Um, setting boundaries is really important. I have a freebie for that. So maybe you can just do that. Airyfairyfeminist.com slash webinar. Hold on. I think that's it. It's <laughs> webinar yeah, com slash webinar, five boundary setting practices to make you love saying no. So there's that. make you love it, huh? Make you fucking love it. Like, it's so good. So I was going to use a little webinar, uh, something similar, and I was going to call it like boundaries don't make you a bitch. And I think that that's something that's really scary for women is yeah. they feel like they don't want to be called the B word. And so yeah. other people are like doing that work to like reclaim the word bitch. And mm-hmm. so like, it's kind of like working towards no, like if you're not scared to get no, and actually they say that that's part of the wage gap is that like a lot of times women, um, you know, and there can be patriarchal stuff in here, but like they don't, they can't negotiate like a, a salary. And then, so like, if yeah. you're in the same job, you know, you get incremental raises or whatever. So like being yeah. able to go for the no, whether it's like you're selling your program or you're negotiating your salary, like it's so freaking important. So yeah. can you just like a little like tip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, freebie, but what else? Yeah, so let's talk about um, let's talk about the salary thing though for a second because I think it's definitely patriarchy because it's just stupid because people should just be paid like yeah. the organization should be able to pay people what they're worth and just like do it on their own. But that's not generally what happens. So having the ability to no- negotiate and be okay with the no and go for it is so important. Like it one day do I hope that the world is just like this is how much this job pays the end you don't need to learn stupid fucking salary negotiation which is not like natural to anybody um first like 
anyways okay something that i think is a really fun tip so i also do decluttering like life coaching and decluttering uh and i think if you're really bad at saying no if you're a total people pleaser i think decluttering and saying no to items can actually be really really good practice to say no to other people um and to events and to invitations i mean we're getting a lot of practice right now because a lot of things we're just not able to do or we're like um i don't want to get you know a potentially life-threatening illness so no i'm not going to do that thing right and so i think in using that is so important um but yeah if you start saying no to the items in your life that don't light you up like you will build that muscle and you'll start to be able to say no to the things and like because you like declutter all your stuff and then you're like what do I get to declutter next it's very addictive I promise and then you like look at your calendar yeah and then it's like calendar what can I say no to here like people in my life that are because you just you up level like your stuff and then like your physical stuff and all your other stuff you're like I don't accept anything below this anymore right and if that makes you a bitch, like those people can fuck off. Um, I am so good with owning the word bitch. Like, Ooh, that's I love fine. it. What if you're like yeah. me on this podcast where I've said no like about a dozen times to my daughter and yet have not totally like enforced the boundary? Uh, <laughs> if he's still in the room like making noises, like <laughs> if like you can say no, but like you can't quite get it all the way there. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, getting there energetically is good of like, why am I saying no? Like one, does this, is this an important boundary to set? Like, do I care? Right. But then like, once you set it, just like reminding, you know, that other person of like, I said no. So what's it like, let's do like a work example or something of like, oh, I can only meet with you for an hour a week. Right. And then like, you set that boundary and like, you say it to them out loud. Turn it down. I thought you were going to kick her out again. <laughs> um, We're living. But like, yeah. So like you set the boundary explicitly and then people don't remember, right? Like people, I mean, your daughter might remember, but like if you hit that hour, we can be like, okay, this is the time I have to work on this. Goodbye. Like I'm volunteering for an organization right now. And I have like, I have an hour per week on my calendar to do stuff for your organization. So like you have things for me. Cool. If you don't cool too, but I'm not going to do more than that. I have a therapist friend and we used to work at a treatment center and I would always get like the parent that basically wanted like a free hour of therapy after our like family day. And I was like, to my friend, I was like, how do you like get rid of these people? And she just literally like turned and walked away. And I was like, huh? (laughs) Oh, she's not telling me. She's showing me like, you just turn and walk away, you know? And it's like, I think as women, we got a lot of messages around like, being super loyal and not saying no like we're conditioned that way and it makes it you know it's a setup for abuse and all kinds of bad stuff well and it's how I mean it's I was just working on a post for Instagram like that is how you continue the patriarchy right like you not putting yourself (laughs) first yeah and you like just letting everyone else dictate your life like that is what the patriarchy is set up to do is to like turn you into a, you know, mm-hmm. buy stuff, um, be submissive, like do whatever, you know, not that there aren't times where being submissive is fun, but um, like it, you, you're not doing what lights you up and what lights you up is your biggest gift to the world. Right. And that is how you make a difference. And that is how you connect to other humans. That's how you feel better and happier and are less of an asshole to other humans. Like it's how you can be open to people calling you out on things that maybe like we need to learn, right? Like you, me, everyone. 
that is how. And so when you just let everyone else dictate your whole entire life, it's like you're being controlled. Yeah. You're letting them control you because you're not saying no when you can. Yeah. And no one likes to be controlled. Right. And so I think when you really like identify that power structure, it's like a whole different game. Like, yeah. you know, other patriarchies can. Yeah. So again, tell us like, where can we find you? Hype your podcast, hype your offerings. We'll drop some links below for sure, but just tell us how we can work with you. Yeah. So I'm Airy Fairy Feminist on everything. Um, I'm on Instagram a lot. I have a Facebook group called Airy Fairy Feminists. Um, And I do one-on-one coaching. So I have spots available for that now. So if you want to like get that give no fucks energy, be who you are, manifest the life that you love, like scary as fuck because probably your life's going to look different, but I'm there for you to hold you and all of that. Right. Um, and to encourage you. So I have spots for that. So it's just airyfairyfeminist.com slash coaching, or you can DM me on anything. Um, and then I have a group program that I'm doing right now. I'm collaborating with, um, Mina Puri. She's an Ayurvedic practitioner and it's a three week group coaching program. It's a nice little taste of like both of us. Um, and it's basically focused on like called igniting change finding your fire um and it's about like navigating this rocky ass time and also like starting to find like what is that what is your soul's purpose and how can you start actively moving towards it because right now a lot of shit is falling away like a lot of things that are inauthentic and it might feel crazy because like your identity maybe has been wrapped up in these things like maybe your job's falling away maybe a relationship maybe social structure like friends like all of these things. So like, how do you build that strong foundation within yourself and then move forward and like have, instead of like being very rocky all the time, like and being swayed by what's happening in your life, like having that strong foundation and like moving forward with, again, what we've talked about, like what lights you up, what you're meant to be doing. That's amazing. Well, I've so enjoyed our time together and I think it really helps to to just like have the success stories to know that you really can go with what lights you up and have success. You know, we don't have to like hustle and grind and be scarce in our beliefs. We can really have it all. But I think the key to having it all is like to prioritize your own pleasure because if you're not looking out for it, like no one else is, right? <laughs> no, no one else is there. And everyone else is just trying to steal your time. So you just stop letting them. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go back and listen to this one because I definitely <laughs> use a little help on like reclaiming my time. So maybe I'll book a session with you and everybody go look up Charlotte Kay. She's amazing. Go listen to her podcast, Airy Fairy Feminist, join her group, do all the things. And thank you so much for your time. I've so enjoyed hanging out with you. Yeah. Thank you. This is like one of my favorite things to do. So I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.